Sonia, for all of your skills. Uh, coming up next is Vet Voice. Uh, thank you for tuning in to KBU. Have, Have a good, good weekend. Bye. Bye. You can't hold me. listening to KBOO Portland. This is KBOO Portland. It's 9 a.m. Coming up next is the Veterans Voice with your host, Marvin. Stay tuned to your community connection. technically kind of weird right now. Stay tuned. We'll be right with you. Oh, I marched to the Battle of New Orleans at the end of the early British wars. The young land started growing. The young blood started flowing. But I ain't marching anymore. For I killed my share of engines in a thousand different fights. I was there at the little big horn. I heard many men lying. I saw many more die. But I ain't marching anymore. It's always Okay, technical weirdness persists. Please stay tuned. We'll get Marvin on the air just as soon as we can. Thank you. So many others, but I ain't marching anymore. For I marched to the battles of the German trench in a war that was bound to end all wars. 
Take it, Marvin. Portland calling. Sisters and brothers, welcome to Veterans Voice Yay. Radio Show on KBOO 90.7 FM in Portland, 104.3 FM in Corvallis, and 91.9 FM in Hood River, or on the World Wide Web at KBOO.FM. And you can hear our earlier shows by going to kboo.fm slash Veterans Voice. I'm Marvin uh, with Sonia's Engineering the Show today. I've got some things I want to talk about, um, and we'll get to them. But um, we're in our fall fundraising right now, and uh, KBOO is such an important station for what's going on in the world. You know, you're going to hear things on this station that you're not going to hear on any other station. Uh, and you can donate by going to the webpage, kboo.fm, and go up and, and hit donate, and you can donate that way. Or you can also send uh, a donation in. It's what I do. Uh, it's at kboo20 southeast 8 Portland, Oregon, nine seven two one four and i donate every every time you know i've done it for years and years and years uh and uh i think that it's such important that you've let me be on this station for all these years and it's just right that i you know pay my fair share and 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 i do that and i i think that uh as time goes on, that our station's going to get more and more, more and more important. And I like the way it's go changed a lot. You know, I really like the shows that are on now. I I really enjoy. Uh, I like the last show. I really enjoyed listening to the last show that Tammy's on, and and so many others that I really enjoy them. And and I know that those shows like this show you wouldn't hear it on any other station but you know like ours our kpfa you'd hear here you know the, our sister stations but i uh i just like everybody to go ahead and donate so we can keep our station on the air and again you can uh do it by sending uh a check or money order or whatever you want to do to a KVOO 20 Southeast 8 Portland, Oregon 97214 or, or uh, go to KBOO.FM and, and, and hit the donate button. Uh, it's really cold up here. I live in the Ghost Range and, and it's only like 40 degrees outside right now and my, my furnace keeps coming on, but it's really cold up here. But I want to, something, you know, with what's going on with COVID and all this stuff and the stress that our troops are under, that's the suicide rate in the active military and the National Guard has gone up 20% uh, in 2020. And that's a whole lot of people. Uh, with all the trouble they're having down at Fort Hood, Texas, where, oh, where lots of... Uh, Troops are, are disappearing, and 
and and they and a lot of them are homicides and it's just it's just so hard for people in the military with all the stress i just read a story about a young woman who uh was from puerto rico and it's back in the 80s and she joined the army and she barely spoke English, so she was taught how to do English. She was doing a great job. Uh, she was in her barracks one night, and, and she was raped. And they uh, they took her to the doctor and, you know, for, for tests and all that. And she uh, was having so much trouble after that that she was let out of the Army with less than an honorable discharge. And years later, she was called by the military that she had to come in and and uh, testify against the man. They finally caught the, the, at the time he was a boy, but now he's a man that had raped her. And she was getting no help at all. And finally, they did convict, convict him, but she was still having trouble getting her less than honorable discharge uh, you know upgraded so she could get all the benefits she she was uh, entitled to and that's just one story and there's just thousands of those stories about women in the military uh, how hard it is for the women in the military and I would never if I'd have had a daughter I would have never ever wanted her to go into the military that's for darn sure and i i've been thinking a lot about about the military and i'm gonna turn 72 next week and i was thinking from 1968 until 2020 it's been most of my life thinking about vietnam and about things that happened to me in Vietnam and the things I did in Vietnam. And, it's, you know, it's just not me. It's just all of my sisters and my brothers who served in Vietnam. You know, our whole life has just been taken over by by that war. You, nobody, anybody that went to Vietnam definitely remembers what happened to them. I'm sitting in my back room in my little office and I'm looking at all the books I have and 99% of them, there's probably 400 books here and 99.9% are all on the Vietnam War. You know, trying to find out, you know, what happened. You know, what happened to us, what happened to this, our country, what happened to Vietnam, how did we get there, you know, and and all the outcomes of that war. And I look back and and think about how just useless that war was, how there was no reason for us to be there. And all the lives that were lost and all the pain and suffering of the people of Vietnam, both North and South. Uh, what, you know, and then here we keep going into these wars and, and thinking back, thinking now with what's going on in the South China Sea uh, how all of a sudden Vietnam is you know hand in hand with the U.S. against China 
how fast that changes. And I've talked to some of my friends in in in, in Vietnam about about you know what was going on, and and they say you have to you know have friends because China's a big country. China has lots of lots of weapons, has lots of people in the military, and they're going to do what they have to do. And so, you know, they just kind of accept what's going what's going on. And so, you know, you think about things like that, how how the war, you know, how how everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people were saying, you know, how. Vietnam should have been bombed back into the Stone Age, should have been, you know, completely annihilated. Should have been, you know, we should have just taken over that country. And and guys that didn't go to Vietnam were called, you know, cowards and draft dodgers and all of this. All of this. And all of a sudden, those same guys that were saying that are supporting Trump who definitely was a, a draft dodger, who definitely, you know, got all kinds of deferments and got a fake uh, medical deferment and all that. You asked us about it, you know, and they said, well, he's doing things now you, now to make it better for the military. No, he's not. You know, suicide rates up 20%. You know, guys are still overseas in these places where their chances of getting killed is pretty high. You know, when he wouldn't take it, he had his chance, but he wouldn't do it. So, you know, they kind of talk out the side of their mouths. I have this poster banner, a uh, placard that, I, that I've taken down, down to the rallies. And it says Trump, you know, as a draft-dodging coward, you know, he sends people to die. When he had his chance, he wouldn't go. And he called, you know, the guys and women who died in Vietnam and other wars losers, you know. It just, and then these guys still support him. I just don't understand it. I just, you know, I just don't understand it. And I was thinking back about about Vietnam, about how Americans really didn't know about the players, the the people who were running running Vietnam, who were making the decisions in the North about what was going on in the South, were how Ho Chi Minh became the president of North Vietnam and how he traveled around the world and everything. And that's what I'm going to talk about, about him and what people didn't know about him, about Ho Chi Minh. And uh, I have a... But first I wanted to talk about the women, the women women in Vietnam, about how they were really a part of of that country from from the time it was made into a country until today, how women were a very important part of that. Uh, they were soldiers. They they were uh, queens. They they ran a lot of the country. Uh, they had during the early parts of it, they had all the rights of the men in Vietnam. And the one in Vietnam, there's all these statues and about the 
uh, Chung sisters, and uh, it was just really interesting. See, China, China considers Vietnam kind of a breakaway province or state, but uh, but Vietnam doesn't look at it that way, and they. China ran, controlled Vietnam for a thousand years. And they, you know, just like any colonial country, they took everything out and brought it home. And that's what was happening to, to Vietnam, that China was coming in and, and taking the good stuff out and, and taking it back to China. But the Chung sisters... Uh, there was two of them, and they're usually called the uh, Haiba Chung, which literally means two two ladies named Chung. And they were around from about uh, 14 A.D. to around 43 A.D. Uh, they were military leaders who ruled for three years after their rebellion in uh, 40 A.D. against the first Chinese domination of Vietnam the first domination so you know they did it a lot they are regarded as national heroines of Vietnam their names were uh, Chung Che she was the older and Chung Ni uh, Chung Chi was the uh, Chung Che was the first woman to be a Vietnamese monarch as well as the only queen uh, regent of the history of Vietnam. Later, there was another one. Uh, Lee Chu Hong uh, was the second woman to take the reign and is the only empress regent. The sisters were born in Xi Chi in rural North Vietnam, a uh, part of the Han Dynasty, and in modern North in modern North Vietnam, or at the time North Vietnam. Now it's all one country. The dates of the births are unknown, but uh, Chung Che was older than Chung Ni. The exact dates of their deaths are also unknown, but both died around 43 A.D. after the battle against an army led by a Chinese uh, uh, Mei Yin. The Chung sisters were highly educated under the watchful eye of their father. They excelled in both literature and martial arts, both were in line to inherit their father's land and title, which is very interesting at that time that, that uh, women were able to do that. So they they became really, really part of the of the rebellion against the the it's very interesting because the way the Vietnamese talk about it is really different than the way the Chinese talk about it. And they, uh, there's books on, on them, and I've read some of these books. They're really, really interesting. And uh, women really played an important part of the, of the war, of the building of Vietnam. I'm looking for there's a, really a good... Uh, okay, they're talking about the... The older sister reigned for three years. The queen was remarkably strong and courageous. She expelled Tozing and established a nation as queen, but as a female ruler could not accomplish the rebuilding of the nation. 
her taboo name was really the cause of it because uh, her father was a commander and her husband was also a commander. So, so even at that time, the names played played a big part of it. Her first year um, was in 40 CE. It was the 16th uh, year of the Han Dynasty. And her second year uh, was the 17th year of the Han Dynasty. And so what she did and her sister did was they unified that part of the of the uh, the country to kick the Chinese out. And they did. They kicked the Chinese out. But the problem is that the Chinese, they was only in power for about three years when the Chinese uh, mobilized a huge military. There were battles. Uh, these women led battles not only on land but also in the mountains, you know, in the lowlands and also in the mountains. And they also uh, had huge sea battles. Uh, huge, huge sea battles that they fought the Chinese. And uh, a lot of the the reason that the women couldn't really con- keep a control of, of the country after that, because a lot of the men didn't think that the women could, uh, you know, be leaders in a battle, even though they'd won all these battles and they'd kicked the Chinese out. Uh, that a lot of the the men uh, left, a lot of the soldiers left, and they went home, and that left uh, the sisters with a smaller army. And the the story is that the women rode elephants into their battles, and that they uh, they were defeated. The reign was short lived. Uh, the Chinese gathered a huge expeditionary army. Under General Mai Yong, which I uh, uh, to suppress the suppress the uh, rebellion, the Chung sisters were defeated in battle in 43 A.D. You know, there's different accounts for it. Like I said, the Chinese say one way, and the Vietnamese say another way. The Dai Viet Tsu report that the sisters were killed by Mai Yan, according to the French newspapers uh, the sisters died during fighting after they were they were deserted by their fellow rebels so they were killed uh, they weren't uh, captured but they were killed in a river they jumped in a river uh, to get away from the the troops and they were were killed in the river and there's all kinds of temples uh, built for these women in Vietnam uh, the statues, there's lots of statues. One of the statues that I remember seeing was this great statue. Uh, it was two elephants side by side, and a sister was on each uh, each one of the elephants. And alongside of them, following the elephants, was the, was the army. And they were just they were just one wonderful. And when the there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of plays and books and things written about these sisters, but women have always played a very important part in the in Vietnamese culture, in Vietnamese history. Uh, 
uh, women were very part of establishing the uh, Viet Cong uh, against the uh, Americans, fight against the Americans. They were called long-haired warriors, and they were very part of the, the leadership against the Americans. They were also a part of the resistance against the French uh, when they were fighting against the French. So Vietnam has fought a lot. You know, the Americans in Vietnam were just a blimp, just a blimp on the history of the Vietnamese uh, fighting for their freedoms, fighting for their rights. And like the Chinese, the 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 French, they're called FOP, FOP French, uh, were taking all the good stuff out of Vietnam and taking it to back to France. And after World War II, the French just decided they were going to come back and they're going to take over their country, over what their old colony. And the Vietnamese wasn't going for it. And I'll talk about that when I start talking about Ho Chi Minh, uh, one of the leaders of the movement to uh, get the French out of, of Vietnam and to get the Americans out of Vietnam. But the women, like I said before, the women uh, were a very important part of the of the move of the movement to get get uh, the foreigners out of their country. Uh, there's many more. I, I don't have time to go through uh, the whole list of, of these women that that have fought for Vietnam, fight against uh, colonialism and feudalism in their country. But I guarantee you, there's a lot. There's a, a museum, a women's museum uh, in Vietnam. And it's th- right at the very front, as you go into the museum, is a really tall uh, statue of a woman fighter. And it's gold. It's gold. And it's just one of the most beautiful statues that that I've seen in Vietnam. And the whole museum just talks about the the women's movement all the way until modern day that uh, shows how how the, the women but it's you know it's not just the women in Vietnam it's women around the world you know they pick up that banner of freedom and they fight just as along with the men you know but still, military American military is still basically an old boys club, you know. Uh, they have some women generals now, but it took a long time for them. They finally have women in the combat arms, you know, in artillery, uh, armor, infantry, artillery, and such. But women have been doing those jobs in other countries forever. Forever. So it's just kind of you know, my way of saying that that women, you know, have really gotten the short end of the stick when it comes to the wonderful things that they've done around this world. And uh, even with this Black, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, uh, women are definitely part of the, the leadership in, in, in that movement. So... You know, women are, aren't going away. They're going to stand up, and they're going to do what's right for, for, for everybody. And uh, 
You know, I have nothing but respect. Nothing but respect for women. Uh, I'm going to uh, talk about a little bit before I really go into talking about Ho Chi Minh and about what he's done for the country. I have a really good friend uh, that lives in Vietnam, uh, Lady Borton. And Lady Borton has has written some very good books about uh, about Ho Chi Minh uh, and and his poems, his writings, his travels around the world, his belief systems uh, about about him. Americans really didn't know that much about about Ho Ho and. You know that was done on purpose. You know that's just like uh, the Americans always wrote Vietnam as one word. You know, <laughs> but Vietnam is two words, Viet and Nam. But you know, it was just out of spite and humiliating of the Vietnamese people that they just wrote it in one word. It just you know, really horrible thing. Uh, just one of the many horrible things that they did for the Vietnamese people. Uh, uh, Sonia, is the other other song ready to play? I don't think so. I think we're still having trouble. Well, um, I've got the Ballad of Ho Chi Minh ready to go. Are you trying to hear the song? Go ahead, oh, go ahead and play that. All right, here we go. Okay. Men. 
he was he was a revolutionary. He's raised. Uh, he served as a prime minister of uh, North Vietnam from '45 to '55, and then president from '45 uh, to '69. Uh, his ideology was he, he was a nationalist. First of all, he was a nationalist, and he also studied Marxist-Leninist. Uh, uh, teachings. He served as the chairman of the first secretary of the Workers' Party of Vietnam, and he he got his training. He started the uh, Vietnamese Communist Party, and he also helped uh, part of founding of the of the French uh, Communist Party because he spent a lot of time in France, and uh, he w- was trained in in Russia at uh, a school of the toilers that's where he he was taught about revolution and uh, about you know uh, learning how to how to you know make a country of socialism of equality he, he was taught to do that uh, he was also the leader of the Viet Minh uh, independence movement uh, from 1941 until uh, until the Democratic uh, Republic of Vietnam was was uh, became into being in 1945, and after they defeated the French in 1954, Binh Dinh Phu, they become the first was called the first Indo-Chinese War. Uh, which never ended until they kicked the Americans out uh, in 75. So in 19... Uh, Ho Chi Minh uh, stepped down from his powers in about 1965 due to health problems. Uh, he had a lot of health problems. He was a little, a little sickly man. And he... Uh, he finally had to, even though the war was going on, I went to this special bunker. Lady Borton, uh, myself, and I'm trying to think who went. Willie Jen, maybe, or Don Blackburn. I can't remember. Uh, we went to where the bunkers were, where they, and the Poet Bureau was in, in Hanoi. And we were standing at this gate to get in and lady had taken us to a different gate than for the general public and so a soldier came out and was talking to lady because lady speaks fluent Vietnamese and uh, oh it was it, it was uh, Bob Chinawith the guy who was the POW that's who was with me and uh, she told uh, the soldier who we were and he told her that since we're all brothers that we could come in this way and and it was very interesting going down into those bunkers and seeing the Politburo where they all sat and made the decisions on the war um, in the in the bunker that they had uh, there was even though he was sick from 65 till he died in 69 there was a, a hotline landline to him and anytime something was decided that they would pick up this line and they would call call uh, Bak Ho 
and explained to him what was going on. And uh, he really didn't make many of the decisions anymore. Uh, Le Swan uh, was the head of the Politburo, and, and he was making all the decisions. And so, but even then, uh, he, uh, you know, he was still, you know, loved so much about, loved so much by the people that they were, uh, they, you know, they kept kept him in in the line. He wasn't just a politician. Ho was also a writer. He was a poet. He was a journalist, and he was a pastry chef. And he'd written a lot, he's written a lot of books and articles uh, in French and Chinese and Vietnamese. And he did speak English. Ho did speak English. And he uh, one of the things that they, they, that people talk about is that Ho that uh, Bako uh, was never married, but he 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 had a wife uh, when he was in China before he came back into the the uh, back into Vietnam. Uh, he had a Chinese wife, and he supposedly had two children. Uh, so, but you know, his father was uh, really an educated man, and he helped uh, taught taught his children. Ho had uh, two brothers and a sister, and they were all very active in in the independence movement. And his mother uh, was also very active, and the father got gave, had made sure that all of his children had a really high education. And uh, one of the schools that Ho Chi Minh went was in Hue, at the uh, where the Imperial Palace was. Uh, he went to a school school in Hue until he was kicked out uh, because of his political activities. And uh, his father was also his father was uh, was kind of an advisor to the Mandarins of the Baodai era and uh, Baodai was kind of like a leader supposedly but he really wasn't he was controlled by the French and then he was controlled by the Americans and he finally abdicated and moved to France but he really Baodai really wasn't a leader at all he was just pretty much told what to do uh uh Ho's father was a Confucian. He was a, a scholar and a teacher and a, a magistrate until he also got got demoted uh, because he he was talking revolution. He was talking uh, how to you know have the workers get more and more rights and and women more and more rights, and uh, that did him in <laughs> and. Uh, Ho, like the song said, Ho uh, left left Vietnam and went to work on on uh, deep sea ships. Uh, he was a chef and he was a uh, dessert maker, a cake maker. He traveled all over the place and he was learning so much. He would talk to the sailors on the ships and, uh, from different countries. 
He also spent time in the United States. He, uh, when the ship came into the harbor at New York, he jumped ship, and he worked as a pastry chef in some hotels and different places, and then he went all the way up into Boston where he did the same thing. And then he went back to uh, he went back to France. And he uh, helped start the, like I said before, he, he helped start the uh, Vietnamese Communist Party, and he also was part of the French Communist Party. And he was arrested many times by the French, and he finally was brought, like I said, he was brought to Russia, and he went to their school of the toilers, toilers, uh, to learn about revolution and about workers' rights and and, and different uh, things like you know when his when he he jumped ship in uh, in uh, New York Harbor that was in 1912 he jumped ship in 1912 and he and he worked worked there um, he claims to have worked for a wealthy family in Brooklyn between 1917 and 1918 and for General Motors as a line manager he's believed that while in the United States he made contact uh, with Korean uh, nationalists and helped uh, shape his uh, outlook he also went to Britain and when he was in Britain he was also arrested uh, more than one time, he started a paper, a newspaper, uh, for for uh, Vietnamese expatriates that that uh, was distributed in England and also in France. And from 1919 to 1920, uh, uh, Baco was back in France and le- leading a life of you know being a cook and also. Uh, joining different groups, uh, he was part of the Vietnamese Patriots. Uh, and here's some of the names that you never really hear, but these people were some of the early leaders of the of Vietnam's revolution. And they uh, Fan Ku Ching, Fan Van Tung, Nguyen Thi. They were all young men who had got out of Vietnam, uh, where. He, chased out of Vietnam, and a lot of them spent lots of time in prisons for their political beliefs. And also Ho was going by the name of Nguyen E. Kwok. Uh, after World War One, he wanted the United States to acknowledge Vietnam as an independent country. But that didn't go over too well. They just they weren't seeing it because uh, he was basically by that time he was really in, into the socialism, and they they you know this country so afraid of the world. You, know, you know I've talked to a lot of younger people about about uh, capitalism and about socialism and. And these kids, these younger people, they are not not afraid of the word socialism. You know, they they understand what it is, and they see the trouble with capitalism 
uh, how it's, you know, just gobbling up everything. And, and especially right now where the working people uh, are losing money and they're not gaining anything, but the rich people are gaining all kinds of money. And these kids, they understand that. They understand what's going on. And so that's really a difference in in uh, in the thinking of the younger people who give me great hope, great hope that they're going to be able to uh, change this country and and make it better as they learn and they travel on and and and, and get things going for them. Uh, he left uh, he left uh, France in 1923. And that's when he went to China. Uh, went to uh, Russia, and and he studied at the studied at the Communist University of the Toilers of the East, and participated in the uh, Fifth uh, Comintern Congress in June 1924 before arriving at Canton in China where he was arrested and where he he had a, uh, where he met his wife uh they say that that ho didn't have any children but he did have he did have children uh, he he was very very sick when he was in in china and he almost he almost died and he didn't get to when he came back to um in 1941, Ho Chi Minh returned to Vietnam to lead the Viet Minh in the independence movement. He came from China because he was being chased by the government in China, uh, and he left left his wife in in China and came back into into Vietnam. And the, at that time, they were still being controlled by the French. And he came back and he started help lead the Viet Minh uh, independence movement. Uh, he he helped he helped fight the Japanese because the Japanese had taken over Vietnam uh, during the Second World War, uh, but they let the French run it. They let the French run it, and he helped fight against the. Uh, Against the against the Japanese and the French, basically, uh, and after World War II, when the Japanese uh, were defeated, and the uh, and taken out of Vietnam, and the only people that the United States would listen to the Chinese that they wouldn't listen to Chairman Mao or any of those, they listened to Shanghai Shek who was kicked out was driven out of China by the forces of Mao Zedong and, and his forces and they were chased into Taiwan and during the war during the Second World War the OSS which later became the uh, the CIA uh, went to, to Ho and he was really, really sick, and they helped him with medicines, and they got him going again and, and being stronger. And he helped uh, uh, find uh, downed American pilots. That's what they, they wanted him for, and he did help them uh, 
to find pilots. And when the war was over, the OSS said that uh, Vietnam should be given their independence. But the powers that be in D.C. decided that the French, who had been pretty much beat up pretty bad during World War II, needed their old colonies to get them back into shape and to make them strong enough to uh, resist the communist movement coming out of China and coming out of Russia. And so that's, uh, that's what he did. And, you know, the, the meaning of, of uh, Ho Chi Minh is bright light, shining light, or in, in those words. So, and all those people that were fighting against the French and also fighting against the Chinese had to change their names a lot so that they, you know, they were being chased all over the place, and a lot of them were, were killed. A lot of them were imprisoned. Uh, a lot of the women um, were, you know, murdered just along with the men, and the women were fighting along with the men. And one of the greatest escapes from the French during the French occupation, they had this uh, huge prison in downtown Hanoi, and it was the same prison that they later used to uh, hold American uh, prisoners in. And they, there was a big escape, and they couldn't figure out how they, they got out of this prison. And what they had done is that they had figured out they could go through the sewer line. They could go through the sewer lines and get out and meet their comrades and be taken to the mountains. And so this is what happened. If you go to, there's only part of that prison left now. It's been, most of it's been torn down and a big high rise is put in it, but there's still a lot of the prison, uh, not a lot of the prison, but some of the prison. And you can see where the, the sewer line was and how they fixed it so nobody else could get out through there and it's really an interesting really interesting story to listen to that the Ho Chi Minh started out with just a handful of men and women and women fighters and one of the main people that helped him was a school teacher by the name of Zap and General Zap became the leading a military leader of the of the Viet Minh uh, a fight against the French, and he and Ho and General Ku, who I know General Ku, uh, they made all the planning for the Battle of Binh Dinh Phu, which uh, got rid of uh, beat the French, and finally uh, got the French out of their country. But Ho had to make a decision on. Uh, and he decided that he would okay uh, the division of Vietnam in half, but there had to be a nationwide a nationwide election within two years, I believe. And they knew that Ho would win that win that election, 
So the Americans and the uh, puppet government that the Americans had put in place uh, decided not to not to have the election, and that's what really started the uh, the second uh, Indo-Chinese War, and where the Americans really got involved in it. Uh, the United States was paying most of the money for the French army to fight, and but if you look at these guys, they got most of their training. They had uh, General Zapp had they took General Zapp and took him to China, where he learned tactics, and he also went to Russia, where he learned tactics before going back to Vietnam. And they started out as a small group of of local peasants up in the northern uh, northern part of of Vietnam. Uh, and like I said, you know, I could, I'm not even partially through all the information I have on whole, uh, that I think is really interesting, inter- interesting that people, you know, don't, don't know about and how we got involved in the war, uh, in Vietnam. And they had one saying, Ho had a saying that nothing's more precious than freedom and that's all it was all over the country that that saying was all over the country and uh his poems i wish i had time to read some of his poems they're just really beautiful poems uh i have these books of his of his poems and they're one of the books that if you ever get a chance there is prison prison writings that he wrote while he was in prison in 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 china and so that is, you know, I'm, uh, maybe some other time that we'll have uh, have time to go through some more uh, about Bako, uh, Uncle Ho. Uh, when Uncle Ho died, uh, most of the Eastern Bloc countries went to his funeral, but not one from any Western country <laughs> went uh, went to that. To his uh, his funeral, and like I've said before, he wanted to be cremated, and he wanted his ashes to be uh, distributed in the north, in the middle, and in the south of Vietnam after the reunification. But that didn't happen. They they embalmed him, and he's on display in Hanoi. But uh, uh, Sonia, yeah, Sonia. What's up? Could you play? Could you play that second song about the ballad of the unknown soldier? And I'll go ahead and finish out here right now. Well, I don't normally take requests, but for you, you got it. Thanks. Uh, we'll be back on November twentieth at nine. November twentieth at nine a.m. And there it is. And thanks, uh, all my friends. And I'll be back next month. Bye. A story I will tell Of a young G.I. You will remember well He died in Vietnam On the Mekong Delta land He had sandals on his feet And a rifle in his hand I wonder what was his name I wonder from which 
each town he came I wonder if his children understand the reason why Or the way he had to fight and the way he had to die Well, they say that in December 65 Was the last time he was ever seen alive U.S. Army lies that caused him to decide To leave his old top sergeant and fight on the other side Well, I wonder what was his name I wonder from which town he came I wonder if his children understand the reason why of the way he had to fight and the way he had to die Was he lonesome for his homeland far away Fighting with his new companions night and day In the base and jungle camps they tell about a man sharing hardships with his comrades fighting on the other side Well, I wonder what was his name I wonder from which town he came And I wonder if his children understand the reason why Of the way he had to fight and the way he had to you're listening to KBOO Portland. Good morning, KBOO listeners. It's 10 a.m. on Friday, October 16th, 2020. Today we have a special program about the recent censorship of a San Francisco State University online panel by the Zoom Corporation. Before we get started, I'd like to remind all our listeners